Hi, well, my name's Gordon, for those of you who don't know me. I uh, assume everybody does, because we've been around in the church for about 15 and a half years now. Um, however, you look around and there are people that I don't recognize, so that's who I am. I'm Gordon, I'm part of the church here. Um, and the way I particularly seem to work with the church here is, is that I try to devote my time to really listening to what I think God might be saying to the church and what he might be saying to, to people. And that's kind of where I come from, just as a bit of introduction in case, you know, you're not sure. Um, and I want to start this morning by kind of throwing out a bit of a question out there. Um, and it's a bit of a curveball question, okay? And I want you to answer it in your heart, really. So if someone actually asked you a question of why are you a Christian? I don't mean how you became one. Why are you a Christian? You know, how do you know Jesus is real? How do you know that all this is, this is true? You know, what would your answer be? And as I say, we can all trot off glib answers to that. But I'll just ask you just to ask that question in your heart. Now, for some of you, who was here last week when Ed, Ed gave that outstanding talk? Yeah? If you weren't, I recommend you listen to it because there's some really good stuff there. So for some of you, it will be some of the things that Ed shared. But what I hope it won't be was like something that I heard recently was where um, a group of um, youth and young people have been asked that question. They were in a charismatic church, a church like ours, and they were asked that question. And the sort of answers that came back from them were, well, I just, think, I just love the worship. It's just so cool. Um, and, well, I guess I'm, I'm believing God because my mum and dad were Christians and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of what I know, you know. Um, another one said, well, I just absolutely love being part of the worship team. Um, and then another one said, well, I've got loads of mates here and I get lots of support and uh, support from the church. And all those things are good. But are they the reason why we, if, you know, when the testing comes and the pressures come, you know, and other things come around to try and attract us, will our roots be deep enough? Will they be the things that keep us there? And, and I don't think those sort of reasons will, if I'm honest. And I've been asking myself that question in my heart recently. I've been saying, you know, what is it if all my Christian infrastructure was pulled away you know, if I was the only known believer in a country, you know, an Islamic country where it wasn't legal to be a Christian, it wasn't legal to publicly own a Bible or anything like that, why would I still believe? And I've been asking myself that question. And the answer for me, and this is a very personal talk this morning, actually, so, and I, and I, so I want you just to, just to come with me on a personal talk. And hopefully some of the things I share might help some people here. And the answer for me is actually a place. And it's a place that over many, many years I've been going to. And it's a place where I've had encounters with God that have changed my life. That I've actually seen tangible rewards where God has um, demonstrated himself to me and shown me things and done things in my life. It's a place where I've actually seen real answers to prayer. And it's actually a place that Jesus referred to, and he called it the secret place. And I just want to take us on a journey 
to the secret place this morning. That's what the aim of the talk is about, really. It's, 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 it's about that. And so I just want to flip to the Bible in Matthew chapter 6. Um, and for sake of time, because we'll, I'd like to have opportunity to pray for people later, um, we're gonna, we'll start at verse 5. If you want to read it in context, you really need to, to read, start from verse 1. Right? It says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you that they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on bubbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then it goes on to do what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, we all, all of us, have an outer image, don't we? You know, that we, that we like to project, that everybody sees. So, you know, if you look at me, you'll see whatever that image is. Um, and we all have that image. But we also have an inner heart that only God sees. All of us do. Yeah? And man, this is what it says in the Bible, that man looks on the outside. So when we look at people, that's what we see. Yeah? We see on the outside. But God looks in the, on, on the heart. Yeah? And there are some benefits for developing that outer image. I mean, I work in business, as some of you know, and, you know, it's very much all about developing that outer image. You know, that's what business life, that's what probably most jobs are like, to be perfectly honest. People wanting to project and develop that outer self and outer image. And the thing is, is that even in that setting, God is still looking at the heart. So even then, when, when you're doing that, you know, um, I remember a number of years ago now, before I was running my own business, that, that was ha I was having a real issue with, the, with somebody that was working for us. And on the outside, he looked like a perfect employee. He looked really, really good. Um, but, but things just didn't seem right somehow. And I remember the Holy Spirit just saying to me one day, he's a liar. Everything about him is untrue. And we then investigated and explored and discovered that in his heart, it was all untrue. The outer image looked good, but the heart was not good. And that's what Jesus is talking about here when he's talking about these Pharisees. He's talking about their image that they presented. Now, there are benefits, aren't there, of developing a good outer image, you know? Because what will happen is these people will reward and promote us. You know, if we spend our time developing how we come across and what we look like, then there will be rewards with that. There, there will be sort of promotion and, 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 and that sort of thing. You know, we'll be given status, won't we? You know, if we put effort and that into that outer image. Um, it will also help with our esteem, you know. A lot of self-help books and things like that are all about developing this outer image, you know, making ourselves feel good about ourselves, and that helps the, the, the thing. Um, and then there are also people who who try and develop a negative 
outer image, aren't they? You know, who, who try and develop this needy outer image so that, that they get rewards from people in that way by get people feeling sorry for them and, and um, trying to give them things. And um, also developing this outer self also enables us to build networks and connections that help us get on aren't there? And, and superficial friendships that we develop that are like networks that they'll do it. And you might think, what is he talking about? But you know, it can be like that sometimes in the church, can't it? It's not just outside of that. Sometimes uh, in, in the church, if we examine our own hearts sometimes, we can um, give that appearance of spirituality, just like Jesus is talking about the Pharisees there. Um, but really what we're trying to do is, is build this image that will help us fulfill our ministry and call. And the, the problem is, is that if we build ourselves on that outer image like that, and we try and manipulate opportunities and try and develop ourselves like that, it actually is very fragile. Incredibly, incredibly fragile. It might look good on the outside, but inside we're insecure. And that can lead to all sorts of issues. You know, the question to ask ourselves, is our identity in how we project ourselves and that outer image? Is our identity in what we do, if we talk about the church setting, is our identity in what we do in the church? If that was pulled away, what, what, what would be left? And, and, and that's a, a challenge to us, really. However, I want to talk about a different way of developing ourselves. Yeah? An alternative way that Jesus is talking about there. And that is the inner secret place. Because it says that if we develop that inner secret place, then our Father in heaven will reward and promote us. Yeah? Our prayers will be answered. Yeah? And when Jesus is talking about that, he's just basically he says, keep it simple, your Father knows what you need. And you know, our Father will give us the public endorsement. We'll get that promotion from the Father. We'll get that thing directly from the Father. And I've got a bit of a confession, because I can be a bit, bit like the first one sometimes. And here, here's a story after when I first joined Hope. Now, for most of my Christian life, I'd been someone who stood at the front like this. For the first time I stood at the front and preached a sermon, I was 16 years old. I've done that all the way through, and wherever I went, it was, it was part of that image that I had, it was part of what I felt, and it was all mixed motives, because God had called me, and I joined Hope, and I went for years, several years, without having this opportunity to do it, and I was getting frustrated inside, and, and the leaders don't understand the call of God that's on my life, and all the rest of it, and I was walking along, feeling frustrated and angry inside, after, after, and you know sometimes when the Holy Spirit just gets you and hits you where it hurts. And he said to me, <laughs> Richard thought that was funny, you know. But he's just like, that's what it felt like inside. It was like he just said to me, he said, Gordon, it was almost like I could hear his voice. It wasn't audible, but it was in my mind. He said, Gordon, no one is interested in what you've got to say. <laughs> However... They are very interested in what I've got to say. And it just like, woof. It was like, yes. 
So I just started just devoting myself to just listening to what the Holy Spirit might want to say to the church and to people in the church and just doing that. And the next thing that happened is, is God started giving me opportunities and openings and things like that. And I know that's my call now. I know that's what God wants me to do. And the interesting thing that's almost an aside is, is that when you read through that passage, that God, that Jesus links so much the praying in secret with giving and that our hearts with giving there's such an intangible link and one day if I get opportunity I'd love to do a talk on the gift of giving because there's a special supernatural way that things like that work but they're so close and so sometimes we, if we want to look into our hearts we just look what we do with our money is what Jesus is eventually saying and the thing is eventually what's in the heart will come to the outside you know we talk about the outer image eventually what's in the heart will come onto the outside. Jesus actually said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So eventually, pressures come and what comes out of our mouth will come from the heart when we lose control a little bit. Um, or, or, or it's good stuff. And so eventually, and the, and, and the, but the other thing is, is if we spend our time develop, developing the outer image, that'll work the other way. That'll feed into our hearts. And we'll begin to start feeding wrong stuff into our hearts. So I'm encouraging you to develop the, the secret place. So I just want to, in the next few minutes, just talk to us a little bit about what this secret place is and a little bit about the secret place. And the first thing about it is, it is a place of the heart. Have you ever looked at the Bible and realized how important our hearts are to God? I don't know whether those of you that study the Bible have ever looked at how often the heart is mentioned and how often it is, it's such a massive issue. Even Jesus, when he was talking about the law, that's the, all the legal stuff that they had to observe to follow God in the, in the Old Testament. You think that's all about the outside, but Jesus actually said, no, it's not. It's all about the heart, really. That's summarizing some of the stuff he said. And in the psalmist said, who, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Our hearts are so, so important to God. We think, because that's who we are, we're human beings, we look on the outside. But God is looking in the heart. And this is not a condemn me job, it's a, it's a thing of saying, let's develop our hearts. Let's develop that secret place. The other thing about the secret place, it's a place of real answered prayer. That we can go into that place and we can talk to our Father who knows what we need, you know, we're not depending on anything else, and we just see quietly in private, and we just see Father answer our prayers. Also, it's a place of revelation. It's a place where the Father speaks to us. Um, there's a gift in the Bible talked about the gift of prophecy, and you get and there are lots. Is this all right? Am I on? Okay, cool. <laughs> so, um, I want to just say, real prophecy, real sharing what God's saying. If you want to learn how to prophesy, really, it comes from time in the secret place. 
not from public performance or techniques. You know, there are lots of courses you can go on to learn how to prophesy and do things like that. But really, it comes from the secret place. It comes from spending time with the Father, listening to what the Father's saying. And then you can add some of that stuff to it. But if you want to really develop with what God's called you to do, spend time in the secret place. Yeah? Don't worry about whether there's any leaders to come alongside and help you and disciple you. They're good. That's all right. Spend time in the secret place. It's also a place of reward. It talks there about rewards. And, there are, and some of these things are all rewards. Answered prayers are reward. But I've discovered that, that when you're a person of the secret place, and for people that are in the secret place, God seems to honor those sort of people in all sorts of ways. He, he seems, all those things that, that people try and get from people by, like the Pharisees were, you find that God honors people like that. You know, you sometimes, why do you, sometimes you, do you ever look at some people and think, you probably shouldn't say this, it's not a very spiritual thing to say, but I can get away with it. It's a, you know, do you sometimes look at people and say, why is it that they seem to have all the luck? Why is it that things just seem to, they seem to just make all the right connections or that seems to happen for them? You know, maybe they're a manipulator, maybe they do. Or maybe it's just that they're people of the secret place and God honors them. Maybe it is. Who knows? Because it's God, God, because you don't go blurting it out, it's in the secret. But God himself does it. He just connects you with people or does things like that and gives you opportunities. And you know, it's a bit of a, almost a warning. Do you know, it actually can sometimes make people jealous as well. You think, what about it? But God, Jesus says, you go to the secret place and the Father will reward you in public. Yeah? So, just briefly now, because I really want to have an opportunity to pray for people today, is I want to just talk about how. Okay? Let's, let's get practical. It's all, we, we, you know, how do we do it? So, we follow, first of all, follow Jesus' advice. Find a secret place. He says, go to your room or whatever. Go to somewhere where you know that you can be with the Father. And that, for, you know, to me, that's either my front lounge or a cabin I've got outside. For Jesus, it was actually up a mountain. That was the place he had to go. He, got, he had so much pressure from so many people demanding from him all the time. He had to go in the middle of the night up a mountain. Um, so find somewhere that's for you. Right? And then here's another one. Discipline a regular time. Just simply, Jesus said, go to the secret You know, make it a conscious decision. You know, and, I, and, it, and it's a little bit more than just our daily prayer and um, reading the Bible, which I do most days. Um, for me, I've got a fairly busy life. I go, for me, I go early on a Sunday morning. That's when I do it. Every Sunday morning, I purposely go to the secret place. Yeah, I have opportunities during the rest of the time, but it's a disciplined, regular time when I know, come what may, that slot is hard to disrupt. Other slots can get disrupted, but I know that's the time. You might think, well, don't you go more often? Well, I do try to, but I just say, I know, come what may, that's when I go into that place, shut the door, that's where I am. Yeah. And the next thing is, is when you go to that secret place, when you go, enter with faith, expecting the Father to reward you 
Because it says in Hebrews that they that earnestly seek him, he will reward. So go there. That's the book. So go there expecting the Father to reward you. Expect the Father to meet with the Father. Go there in faith. You've made that decision. That's where you're going. And then the next thing that I want to talk a little bit about, and I'm going to expand a little bit on this one, is develop what I call the language of the secret place. The Bible calls it praying with your spirit or praying with to- in tongues. Yeah? And I-, I just want to look at that because a little bit because I don't know about you, but does anyone here ever feel a little bit embarrassed about tongues? Just me, sorry, I'm obviously everybody, no one else does, but do you know, yeah, does anyone think it seems a little bit odd sometimes and, and feel like, I, am I really making, is it, is it really making sense what we're saying? Yeah, a couple of people do, yeah? Um, that's okay, because the Apostle Paul said, your mind doesn't understand it, okay? But I just want to look at it because our Western culture can sometimes have a bit of a, you know, we, we're battling ourselves over that, because it, it, it thinks like, well, if I'm talking in English, then it's a proper prayer. But if I'm talking in that language, then I need to get onto English pretty quickly, yeah? So, I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. Is, is that up there? Yeah? It says, for if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Is the rest of it coming up? Is that all it is? Can you get the next bit? Don't worry, I'll read it. We'll move on, we're running out of time. But basically, ah, here we go. Where's it gone? Can we... Can we just flip back to the beginning of verse 14? Right. For I pray in a tongue, my, my spirit, flip over, prays, but my mind is unfruitful. For what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. And it's the language of the secret place. There are different ways of using the gift of tongues, but one of the most, most ways is, is in the secret place. The Apostle Paul says he did it more than anyone else. So he obviously thought it was a good idea to do it. And I've just got a couple of questions to ask about it. Who here all the time knows what the right thing to pray is? Every moment of the day, you know exactly what to pray. Anyone, anyone here? No? Not you, Jim? No? Richard must. You must know every time. No? Well, anyway. Right? Who here, every time, knows what's on the mind of the Spirit? All the time. Totally, totally know, every moment of every day, what's on the mind of the Spirit. Bill, you must. No? No. Well, that's okay. Because the Bible says that when we don't know how to pray, we've got the Spirit to pray through us. Yeah? It also says that the Spirit is the one who knows the mind. He's the one that searches our hearts and knows the mind of the Spirit. So when we use this language of the Spirit, we can pray 
exactly what's on the mind of God. And who thinks that sort of prayer might get answered? Yeah? Spot on. Yeah? And, and it's a key to just the, the, the seat being in the secret place. He's used that gift. Even though it can sound a bit weird and a bit embarrassing sometimes and you don't know what you're saying. And the interesting thing is, he says, when you pray, it says you're praying with your spirit to Abba, Papa, Father. Yeah? And it's, 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 it's just like a little baby sometimes can be making sounds that only the mother understands. And that's what it's a bit like sometimes. It's, the, it's, it's, it's that spirit in you just praying that, those, those prayers to the Papa Father. Yeah? In Ephesians, when, he, when he's talking about praying for others and praying for difficult, pressured situations, he says, pray at all times in the spirit. So when you often you, you, you find yourself in situations and you just don't know what to pray, just pray in the spirit. And don't be tempted to think, oh, I better get into English and pray a proper prayer now because I know I do, but just keep praying in the Spirit. I've got loads of stories I could tell about times when I just haven't, particularly if you're praying for other people, because you really don't often then have no idea what you're praying for, is that loads of times when I've just prayed in the Spirit and the things have just seemed to work out, just like that other bit of that Roman says that God works all things for good to those that are called. It's a key to unlocking that, is to see, is to pray with the Spirit. And um, I remember a long, this is a long, it's a story from a long time ago now. Um, and I'd been asked to be one of the people that was what's called the ministry team at a meeting where you prayed for people after the meeting. I don't often get asked to do that, probably because I'm not always that brilliant at it. Because really, when I pray for people like that, I often really don't know what to do. I only really know two things. One is how to pray with my spirit. And the other is how to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. And I, I, don't, I, I struggle with some of the rest of the stuff. Um, so those are the only two things. But back then, I hadn't really learned how to hear very well what the Spirit was saying. And this lady presented, I was with another lady, we're in pairs, paired up with, with people, and this lady presented, and she'd um, got all sorts of mental illness issues, she'd um, been involved in um, the um, sort of new age type things, tarot reading, spiritualism, things that use other spirits other than the Spirit of Jesus. Um, she'd self-harm, she'd been in and out of psychiatric institutions, and she wanted praying for. I had a clue. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't pray, pray about that. God bless you. Um, but somehow that feels a bit inadequate. So we just began to pray with the Spirit. That's all could do, just pray with the Spirit. After about a period of time, I don't know how long it was, a few minutes, five minutes, who knows, the Holy Spirit just seemed to hit this lady. I don't mean me. It's just like she was overwhelmed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. She fell onto the floor. Oh, now what's happened? So we better just carry on praying with the Spirit. So we carried on praying with the Spirit. And after a while, got bored because she was still there. She was kind of shaking under the power of God on the floor. No idea. Got, got a bit bored. And started looking, what do I do now? And um, her, the pastor of her church came over and to see what was happening because the meat people were starting to clear the chairs away and things like that. And he was the one that told us, told me 
some of the story about what happened. He says, well, I think God might be doing something in her. Um, but anyway, an hour and 40 minutes after the end of the meeting, everyone had gone. They wanted to get, uh, turn the lights out. This lady eventually comes around and says, wow, amazing time with God. Cool, right, okay. Gets up, disappears off, whatever. A period of time later, um, met, met this lady again at a meeting. She said, oh, I remember praying for me, whatever. She says, oh, I'm now... You know, I'm now free. I'm in the worship team because she couldn't do anything. She, her anxiety and things got to do it. I'm free from all this stuff. God set me free. I'm amazing. Then, um, about a couple of years later or whatever, um, I met some people from the church she was part of. I said, oh, what happened to that lady? She said, oh, haven't you heard? She was completely set free that night, totally off everything, everything completely free, free from all the stuff, and she's now a missionary in Mexico working with children. You know? And that was just from praying with the Spirit. Nothing, nothing, nothing clever. And I'd encourage you to use that. And the final thing that I want to say about how you do it is ask God questions when you're in His presence. Ask him, like the psalmist said, examine me, test my heart. Ask God questions, particularly about your heart. Let the Spirit search your heart. Because what happens is that he will do that, and he will show you stuff that's going on inside you. He will show you with me, like, where some of my anxiety comes from, and things like that. And he will talk you through those things, and encourage you to do it. So, I've deliberately wound up now, because I'd really like to give opportunity for people just to experience Jesus. If, and I'd really like to, um, there are a few things that I felt when I was in the secret place this morning that God shared with me, but the first of all is, is I would really like to give opportunity for anybody who, who struggles with praying with the Spirit, praying with tongues, it doesn't matter whether you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit or not, uh, when we've finished sharing, I'd just like you to have the opportunity to be prayed for because it's such a wonderful gift. And Jesus says that if anyone wants the Spirit, the Father is going to give them the Spirit. He's not going to give them a, you know, like a good Father gives gifts to children. He's going to give you that gift. So, and it's praying from the Spirit. It's not a massive thing and we need to do it. And, 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 and I've asked Jim if he'll pray for people afterwards and we'll probably do it after we've wound up the meeting. But if, if, you, want, if, you, if you need that, if you want that, please take this opportunity to be prayed for because it's an awesome gift and it will really help you with your relationship with Jesus. And I know he's wanting to rush off, so I, I particularly wanted, I, I, when I was praying this morning, I saw an impression of Bill and I just feel that God really wants to encourage you this morning, Bill. And so what I want you to do is just look at your hands, yeah? They're just ordinary hands, aren't they, Bill, yeah? And I just felt that God's God wanted to encourage you to say, these signs accompany those that believe. They lay hands, ordinary hands, on the sick, and they will recover. And I just felt the Holy Spirit saying that he's bringing you into a new measure of his presence, a new measure of ability to lay hands on the sick. And I, but I also felt him say, use your hands first, the mouth second. And I, what I felt he meant by that was, was pray for the sick first, then share the gospel.
yeah? And that will open the door. That's what I felt. Um, Linda, I just felt that Jesus really wanted to encourage you this morning. And it's really simple. I just felt he wanted just to say to you that he was your shepherd. Yeah, that even when you go through the deepest, darkest valleys, there he is. He's your shepherd. Even when the anointing oil comes and you're full of the oil of gladness, he's your shepherd. Even when you need some green pastures and you just need some space, that's okay. He's your shepherd. And I just felt he just really wanted to encourage you just to trust him as a shepherd. Yeah? Um, Jim, I just felt that Jesus really wanted to encourage you this morning. And he just wants to encourage you and just encourage you just by saying that, that he's called you to be a pioneer. And you know that. We all know that. And I just felt him say that pioneers are always on the edge. And that there's a natural temptation and people naturally want to consolidate and, you know, make things nice and secure and do them. But I just felt him saying he's called you to be on the edge and not to live like that. Yeah, don't be tempted. Don't be pressured by others. Say, oh, it's time just to consolidate a bit. Other people could get that gift. Your gift is to go and pioneer and be on the edge. Yeah? Um, and then I just ha I had a, like a picture or impression, and I'd encourage you, if this is you, find someone to pray with afterwards. I had an impression. You know when we talk about the heart... And we talk about the outer image. There can be, a t there's nothing shameful about letting, letting your heart out. Uh, yeah? And I just felt that there, was a, that there was a lady here and I saw you in a dark room crying on your own, crying, hurting. And I felt Jesus say, he wants to come and put the light on on the inside for you. And that's nothing to be ashamed about. It's nothing to do with lack of faith. The David, the psalmist said, why are you downcast at my soul? Just come, get some prayer, and let Jesus put the light on on the inside. Yeah? And I, I just felt that. And then, then another thing, I, I felt that there was um, somebody here in your... Um, struggling with stuff a bit and you're, this is a bit of an out there one, that you feel that if you went abroad, overseas, then it would work out for you better than it would it, it, here. And I just felt God say to you, no, work it out here. I, I don't know whether that means anything to anybody. If it does, fine. Um, so I've wound up now it's a couple of minutes before the children come in. If anyone would like praying for, if anyone would like praying for to receive the Holy Spirit or to be able to speak in tongues, just please take the opportunity now. I've asked Jim to help with that a bit. Um, also, if there's anybody here that, and, and, you, and you really do struggle with the secret place and your relationship with Jesus and you're not, in your heart, you're not really sure whether you know Jesus like that or your faith's a bit wobbly, then please take this opportunity now just to come and ask someone to pray with you and support you in that. You know, if you're fine, that's fine. But, so don't be under pressure. But if you do feel like that, because what will happen is, is that the pressures will come on your faith. Jesus said it. 
that you, you, you will be, have things that will try and attract you, pressures, things like that. And Jesus wants your faith to be solid and strong.